0: Welcome to the Gateway.Live podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray that God speaks to you through this message and through his word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com. Now, let's tune in. I'm not gonna tell you to turn to a scripture, but I am gonna ask you to turn your learner on this morning. All right? I need you to dial up Your learner. I need you to take notes in this message. Uh, The first two points of this message, as we kick off our Together series, are like sermons in and of themselves. And I really want you to catch deeply what we're talking about today because you were created for it. The title of this message is Created to Connect. Created to Connect. And what we're going to talk about in this first message of our Together series is the fact that God created you and me for connection. And there are some very specific connections he created us for. We're gonna walk through those connections, and the first one is not gonna surprise you at all because it is the most important connection you were created for, and there will be nothing that ever comes close. Point number one, you were created to connect to God. Here's another way to say it. God created you to connect to himself. Now, I'm gonna give you three evidences that you were, in fact, created by God to connect to himself. And here's the first evidence, his love. His love is evidence that he created you to connect with him. Now, think about this. That's an amazing thing that the God of the universe thought so highly of you that he created you to connect to him. And his love is one of the things that proves it. Listen to how God describes the role his love plays in the strength of of the directional connection between you and him. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3. Long ago, the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love, with unfailing love. I have drawn you to myself. Now, the church does not replace Israel. Remember that. That's bad theology to teach that. The church doesn't replace Israel, but we have been adopted into this depth of love, this level of love. And and God says, here is the, the connection, the driving force behind the connection between you and me. It's my unfailing love. It's not what you do. It's not what you're capable of. My unfailing love is what I use to draw you magnetically, supernaturally to myself. Now, that's kind of the directional connection. Look at what God says through Paul related to the strength of the love that causes this connection. Romans chapter 8, verse 38, Paul says, and I am convinced Our Lord. Paul says, listen, I am learning about the strength of his love that is so supernaturally attractive. And I've become convinced that nothing could separate you, me, from the love of God. Nothing. Nothing, 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 nothing. That's how powerful The strength of his love is to draw you to himself. Here's the second piece of evidence that you were created to connect to God. Your DNA. Your DNA. This might surprise you, but I feel far more strongly about my children than I do about yours. I just don't care about your kids as much as I care about mine. I care about your kids. But when compared to how I feel about my kids... It seems as though I just don't care about your kids. I I love your kids, but not like I love my kids. And one of the reasons I love my kids more than I love your kids is your kids don't have any of me in them. Now, you might be thinking, well, Preston, that sounds kind of self You have issues, Preston. I'm not the only one. And here's how I know, because every once in a while, you know you are guilty of the following. You walk by a full-length mirror and catch a glimpse of yourself, and you go, okay, all right. <laughs> Why? Because deep down, you love you some you, right? And that doesn't mean it's bad. That, that doesn't make it a, a, some horrible problem for a Christian. I love my kids, and one of the reasons is because they have some of me in them. listen. This is one of the exact same reasons God is so attracted, connected to you. Listen to what Scripture says, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us, speaking of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Verse 27, so God created human beings, you, in his own image. Image, in the image of God, He created you. That means the same way that I look at my kids every once in a while and go, "Oh, that's so me," and I love you for it. God looks at you. It says, "That's so me." Well, Preston, I'm in a bad streak right now. I'm, I'm horrible. I get it. That's your behavior. That's not your DNA. Those are your choices. That's not your DNA. God looks at that DNA, his DNA that is inside of you and goes, oh, she's so cute. That's me inside of her. I love that about her. I love that about him. One of the reasons God is so drawn to you is you have him inside of you. One of the reasons you are so drawn to God is you have him inside of you. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, But maybe think about the last time one of your children, if you have children, asks you to explain the Trinity, if you've ever gotten backed into that corner before theologically. Daddy, mommy, could you explain the Trinity to me? Sure. How many hours do you have? It's a complicated thing, and as I was studying for this message, I was talking with the Lord, and I said, why is it so difficult to comprehend the Trinity? And I'll never forget what I felt like the Lord said in response. Preston, it's obvious. You don't understand connection like I do. The Trinity is three in one. The most connected three people that ever will be. Three in one. And I know, and I even had this in college, people will describe it as three different titles. No, three different people in one. It is impossible for us to wrap our human minds around the Trinity. And the reason is because we, we basically don't understand connection. And if we don't understand connection, it means we probably underestimate our need for it. Because we just don't fully get it. Now, I want to show you something in Galatians chapter 4 when you think about the unity of the Trinity. The strong connection, the three of them, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, experienced together, three in one. I want you to think about how brilliant this next verse is. When God says to you, hey, I am drawn to you. I'm gonna make sure you're drawn to me. We are connected. Look in Galatians chapter four, verse six. It says, and because you are sons, speaking to us as children of God, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. God doesn't just deposit his Holy Spirit on the inside of you as a down payment on your inheritance, which is one of the things Scripture tells us. He also deposits his Holy Spirit on the inside of you to make sure, to ensure there is a connection that you cannot have with anyone else. He puts himself inside of you. Whoop. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one, completely connected. He puts the Holy Spirit inside of you. Whoop, it's like that. God seems so far. Listen, God's inside of you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. His Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you, on the inside of me. And one of the reasons is to ensure the strength of connection between us and him. Here's the third evidence that you were created to connect with God. I call it a condition, a condition. How many of you would say that in this new year, you would love to produce more fruit than you ever have in a single year before? How many of you would say that, both campuses? Okay, great, that's good. If you're not raising your hand, what's wrong with you, okay? It's okay, I'm just kidding. But for those of us who want to produce more fruit, I have really good news for you, but it's not coming from me. It's coming from Jesus. Jesus actually tells us the secret to fruit production on the earth. So if you want to produce more fruit, this is one of the ways that you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt you were created to connect with God because he put in the inside of you a desire to produce fruit and then made it conditional on how to do it. Listen to what Jesus says in John 15 verse 4. He says, remain in me. That's close. Not with me not next to me in me that's romantic language right there remain in me jesus says and i will remain in you for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me yes i jesus says am the vine you are the branches those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. There's the condition right there. He says, hey, here's how badly I want to be connected to you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm gonna make sure that you can do nothing when you're disconnected from me. It's not a threat, it's not an ultimatum. It's a loving reminder you were created to connect with him. And he says, hey, I'll make this really easy to understand. I'm going to put a godly drive on the inside of you. You're going to want to produce much fruit because I created you that way. But I'm also going to make it conditional. The only way to produce fruit is to be connected to me because you were created to connect with God. Your life does not come down to the production of fruit. Your life comes down to your connection to the Father. And Jesus says, hey, I'll make it really easy. When you connect to the Father, you will never have to worry about the production of fruit. You'll have it on lockdown, because you were made for this connection. Here's the second thing you were created for as we talk about connection. Point number two, you were created to connect to God's house. You were created to connect to God's house. Now, this is the perfect time of year to talk about this because I I know in January, many people, if you were to see our 11 o'clock service, uh, it's like a small town. We're going to have to get people out of the 11 and into this 9 o'clock service. And part of the reason is, January is the highest attendance month of the year. And we all know why, because everybody, it's like working out. Okay, I'm going to do better this year going to church. Well, the question I'd ask is, why did it get to where we were so bad at it? Jesus didn't die for casual church attendance. Right? Like There's a, there's a war over you being in the house of God. And I understand there are some really backwards beliefs related to the believer and the body of Christ. You are all kinds of things. Well, I am the temple, and I don't need to worship corporately in a church. I worship wherever I go. Uh, That's not what Jesus died for. I get it. The church isn't just a building. But there's a reason they met in the temple and from house to house when his church began. Now I want to show you a couple of things, okay? How do you know that you are that I am connected to the house of God. I'm going to give you a couple of evidences, all right? Now think about this. I'll, I'll read you a passage, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, because this will help you understand what it looks like for us to be connected to God's house. Second Corinthians 5:14 says, "Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we all died to our old life." He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Very important theologically to understand. Jesus didn't just die to get you out of hell, Jesus died so that you would no longer live for yourself. He died so that you would live for him, not for you, not for myself. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ. Million dollar question. What does it look like to live for Christ? Well, it's a a long answer that involves a a good number of things. But I can tell you 100% absolutely positively that living for Christ will always involve living for what he died for. Let me show you. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church for he gave up his life for her. Jesus gave up his life for the body of Christ, the bride, the church. He died for it. Why do you think there is such a war over church attendance these days? Go back 40 years, nobody saw it the way they see it now. Now with online services and all that stuff, and and philosophically, I'm not even sure still where I fall on having, you know, streaming our services live, because we all know that it makes it easier to stay home. The point of church is not to catch worship in the message. The point of church is to connect with God in the house of God and to connect to God's people in God's house. Period, point blank. That's it. Now, I'm not trying to put any condemnation on you. Not at all, because you're here, right? Even if this is your one week and four, and stats say the average Christian attends church less than 1.5 times per month. It's hard to wrap my mind around is that what jesus died for there's no way if you're casual in church attendance i challenge you this year strengthen yourself in this area this year whether it's here or anywhere else i'm not trying to grow our attendance god could call you somewhere else next week this is not about you coming to this church it's about you being in his house Not so I can count you. I I have never tried to build a church that was based upon counting people. I want to be a part of a church that has people you can count on. Not just people you can count. What does it look like in your life? Does your connection to God's house reflect Christ's own feelings towards the church. He died for it. So the first subpoint here is the church is where your life goes. You know you're connected to God's house when that's where your life goes. Here's the second thing. You know you're connected to God's house when it's where your heart is. You know you're connected to God's house when it's where your heart is. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Whoa, whoa, Preston, hold on just a sec. You said where my heart is, and we're talking about money. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Think about how brilliant this is for a minute. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, Listen, I'm going to teach you on value, what you value in this world. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He doesn't say where your heart is, there your treasure will be. He says where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Heart follows treasure, not vice versa. Another reason why I love my kids more than yours is because they have more of my treasure than yours do. It's actually one of the things I like most about your kids is they don't cost me near as much as mine. But it's also a reason why I'm more invested in my children. Because more of my treasure, not just my finances, my time, my energy, my emotions, my treasure. I'm just using the tithe as one part of treasure. But it's the part everybody least likes to talk about. It's so funny how many church people will look at a pastor who talks about tithing like, oh, the church must need money. No, no, no. You, you probably noticed that in the lobby there's a, a big tarp covering the next side of the building we're taking over the next side of the building putting a cafe a huge classroom that's about to be used in this next service for 100 people in our mem- membership class and we're not coming to you begging for something you're you're a tithing church a generous church an obedient church as it relates to bringing the tithe into the storehouse we're not in a hurting position we've been really good stewards We've been saving, not just spending. This isn't about money. This is about your heart. And Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's a reason so many people, as followers of Jesus Christ, aren't very connected to the house of the Lord. Because none of their treasure is there. You don't care about my truck. Because it didn't cost you a dime. You don't care if I haven't washed my truck in three months. But you care about your car. Why? Because your treasure is wrapped up in that vehicle. Jesus made it very simple. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Think about how brilliant this is. Jesus is saying, I want your heart in my house. I don't just want your feet. I don't just want your worshiping hands. I want your heart in my house. And one of the ways Preston, that you will know that your heart is in my house is when your treasure is there also. Your resources, your time, your gifting, that's when you'll know your heart is wrapped up in my house. Here's the third evidence that you know you're connected to God's house. It's where your hands work. When the church is where your hands work. Let me make a a statement that for some of you might be pretty strong. Christ's church is not run by its staff. It's run by God's children. There's some really messed up thinking out there about the church and the ministry of the church. And it would be very wrong to think that the responsibility of the ministry of the church is to the paid staff. Let me read you in Revelation chapter five, verse nine. This is speaking of Jesus. Listen to what it says about us as his followers. For you, speaking of Jesus, were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe, every language, every people, and every nation. I love that verse. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, not a staff of priests a kingdom of priests. What is the responsibility of the priest? To administrate and facilitate the ministry in the house of God. That's our responsibility as sons and daughters of God. So in the same way, I challenge those who may not be tithing consistently or may not be attending church consistently. I'm gonna challenge those of you who don't regularly serve in the house of the Lord. I challenge you. Serve once a month, try it this year. Serve once a month, 12 times. 12 times, that's nothing. Serve 12 times in the house of the Lord and see how things change this year. You were created for it. I was created for it. When you see me after a service going to that door right there and greeting everybody on the way out, I don't do that as the senior pastor of the church. That's not my job. That's not my responsibility. I could go hide out in a green room like a lot of other people do. But I don't. That doesn't mean they're bad or I'm good. It means one of my favorite things to do as a son of God, as one of his children, is to minister to the people of God by standing at the door on the way out, just trying to make them feel loved. Why? Because I've said it many times before. When I get into the retirement season of life, you will see me at Walmart passing out grocery carts at the front door. I will be that guy. I am that guy. I'm already proving it right now. I love it. I love it. I love to just tell you goodbye and have a great week. God bless you. I love to just say a little something. It's small. Listen, I'm not doing that because I get paid to do it. I'm doing it because I love the responsibility of ministering in the house of the Lord because I was created for it. And that's not because I'm a pastor. We are a kingdom of priests, not a staff of pastors. Let me show you what the actual responsibility of the staff is, and this might surprise some of you. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. That's the staff's responsibility is to build you up, to steward your gifts and your calling in the house of the Lord. Not to do it alone, do it together. Think about this. Go back to when you were in kindergarten because I think this is actually quite brilliant of God to set up his house in this manner. Go back to kindergarten. You remember when you used to color pictures back in kindergarten? You remember how proud of them you were? Do you remember how bad they were? Like, do you remember how ugly your paintings were? Like, you might be the only one that actually did a good job, but the rest of us at kindergarten were painting way outside the lines. But do you remember when you painted a picture for your parents where you wanted it to go? The refrigerator. Because in your mind, that was like the greatest art museum in Paris. The refrigerator. If I make the refrigerator, I have made it. Look, my painting is on the refrigerator. I did it. And your siblings were looking going, that's hideous. Why were you so proud of that painting? I'll tell you why. Because your hands created it. God set it up in his house to make sure that your heart was in his house. By saying, I want your hands working on my house. Because I know when your hands work on my house, you will be more connected to it. He did all of these things to ensure not that he was getting what he wanted from you in his house, but that you were getting what you were created to need from his house in his house. That's nasty. He's brilliant. You were created to connect to God's house. Don't just tell me, oh yeah, I'm doing it outside the four walls. That's great, and that's a part of our calling. So is inside the four walls. And listen, the elders could fire me tomorrow. They could fire me tomorrow. And I could never get a job again in ministry. You know what I would do? I'd become the best life group leader in this church. I would. Not just because I'm competitive, (laughs) but because ministry is what his children are called to. In some way, shape, or form. Whether it's passing out mints at the door, whether it's praying for people at the altar, I believe every month of our lives, whether we realize it or not, God is asking, How did you make my house better? We can't when we're not connected to it. Don't feel guilty if you're casually connected to the house of God. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I don't want you to feel condemnation, but I do want you to feel challenged. And here's why. Because you were created to need what God does here. And once a month ain't gonna cut it. You need more of it. And so do I. Here's the third thing. Oh, let me say this before I go to point number three. You've been hearing about Gateway Life. It's our membership class. And actually during this next service, there's going to be uh, 100 people in our new space going through our first Gateway Life class. And essentially it is our membership class. And if you have that stuff, we, we have taken some time. The team here, starting with Pastor Phil, has done a phenomenal job putting this together. But it's gone from a one-week class to a four-week class and the, the goal of the class is not to tell you what's going on here at Gateway. The goal of the class is to ensure that you are connected to God's house. So they, they've put together an incredible curriculum. And even every week, there's some surprises. They created a Gateway Life game based on taboo. There's like a buzzer in this box. It's insane. It's crazy. And here, listen, I want every person who calls this church their home church to go through Gateway Life. And it's going to be taught every week. So this class is already full. It maxed. The next one is the first week of March. But every weekend, we're going to be doing Gateway Life. And we're going to roll it out at 10 Tempe uh, in, in the very near future. Listen. well, oh, press, I'm already a member. I don't need to go through that. No, this is totally different. This is not about being a member in this house. This is about making sure we are all connected to God's house and to connect to one another. All right? So I want you to sign up for Gateway Life. Not because I want to celebrate some number, but I want to celebrate the fruit of what God is doing in this place by seeing his sons and daughters connect more, one to another and to his house. Here's the third thing that we are created to connect to, to God's family. You were created to connect to God's family. How many of you would say in 2019, I want to experience more of God's presence in my life? Just put your hand up, both campuses. Awesome. It's great. Awesome thing to desire. Did you know Jesus gave you a secret on how to ensure that that took place? Let me read it to you. Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. Jesus says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Now let me give you a random illustration. I don't usually give illustrations like this, but this is way out of left field. Since we just came out of Christmas, I love Christmas movies, except for the Hallmark kind. Those aren't real Christmas movies, those are fake. But just bear with me, one of my favorite Christmas movies, string of Christmas movies are the Santa Claus movies. Okay, Tim Allen. And there's a moment in the very first one when Tim Allen becomes Santa Claus and his son, Charlie, says, but Dad, when you're at the North Pole, what happens when I want to see you? And I know elves don't exist, but an elf hands Charlie this snow globe. And he says, Charlie, anytime you want to see your dad, you just shake this snow globe. Whenever you miss your dad, shake this snow globe and he'll show up. Do you understand the power of what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 18? He's saying, if you miss me, if you feel like I'm distant from you if you're having trouble connecting with me I've got a secret for you connect with at least one more of my father's children one more in my name connect with one more person in my name I will be right there with you basically the Santa Claus movie stole the snow globe idea from Jesus Preston, I just feel like he's so far from me. Maybe that's because you've become so far from his children. Draw near to them. And Jesus says, hey, when two of you come together in my name, I will be smack dab in the middle of that. Another way to say it is Jesus says, hey, I will be more present with you when you get more outside of yourself and connect with my father's children. You were created to connect to God's family, and we're going to spend the rest of this series talking about it. Now I know from time to time I talk about the Cowboys, and and I haven't really had much to talk about for the greater half of my life, and many of you make fun of me. Someone gave me a stat, it's been 23 years since we won a divisional championship. I disfellowshipped that guy from the church last night. (laughs) You'll no longer see him ever again here. But I know from time to time when I talk about the Cowboys, some of you roll your eyes and you're like, well, he's so silly. Well, let's talk about this for a minute, okay? Because this week, I realized as I was preparing for this message, I hate community. I hate it. I literally despise community. And I realized why this week. We've taken two years off from groups because I hate groups the way I've seen them done. I hate community, not because I hate people, but because I'm realizing at 40 years old I wasn't made for community, I was created for connection. And community is to connection what fans are compared to a family. I can go to a really big room in this case, called the stadium. And I can wear my team's jersey. And I can celebrate next to you because we agree on the essentials, that the Cowboys are God's team. And I don't know your name, and I don't really care what your name is, as long as we agree on the most important things. And we can slap high fives, we can yell and scream, we can sing during timeouts, But I know we're merely fans when the game is over and I go home and I don't care a lick about you because fans don't care about other fans. Fans only care about the team. My concern in the house of the Lord is too many Christians are operating like fans of God's team rather than members of God's family. I know you think I'm ridiculous when I bring up the cowboys in church. But you know what looks a lot more ridiculous? Is when I or any other follower of Jesus Christ settles for merely being fans of God's team rather than behaving like family members in God's house. He created us for it. And I believe this year, we're going to step into it in a way we never have before. And we're going to see God do miraculous things simply because he is with us. And we are connected in a way we never have been before to him, to his house, and to his people. Thanks for joining us on Gateway.Live. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com.